It is still possible we are dealing with a naturally occurring anomaly, which does not conform to the known laws of physics. Don't you think it's a little late to be speculating on who or what this thing is? The important thing now is that we find out some way of stopping it. Welcome back to Delta Flyer. I'm Thad He. And I'm Stuart Hollis. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 6, Twisted. And we're also joined this week by a special guest, Rob. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Listeners may know Rob from uh, Twitter, where he is rather prolific and also runs the Trek Book Club account. Yep, that's me. <laughs> if you're into Trek books, yep, come and join in. Yeah, we've uh, we've done some Voyager books for Trek Book Club, actually, in the past. We have, we've done a few, we've done a few. So yeah, hopefully do some more in the future. Yeah, I, I really hope we get into the Kirsten Beyer books at some point, or, or sorry, the Kirsten Beyer books at some point, because they're really good. I've heard a lot of good things about them, so they're definitely on my uh, long list. <laughs> All right, so uh, this episode, this is the final episode from se- in Season 2 that was originally written and produced for Season 1. Uh, interestingly, it was not supposed to be the final episode of Season 1, but it's the last Season 1 episode that was aired. I mean, obviously not in Season 1. Right, but this was originally to be the penultimate episode of Season 1. Okay, uh, I mean, sure. But I feel like you can tell a little bit, especially uh, with the way that they try to play up uh, the tension between Chakotay and Tuvok. It feels like a very season one sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, getting a little ahead here. Uh, this aired originally on October 2nd, 1995. Uh, it was... The story was written by Arnold Rudnick and Rich Hosek, who have never written anything else for Star Trek, or much of anything. Uh, They did do several episodes for the new Adams Family in the 90s, and that's about it. Uh, It was adapted for the screen by Kenneth Biller, whom we have spoken volumes about, and was directed by Kim Friedman, who directed three episodes in season one and a few episodes of DS9. Hmm. Our synopsis from TV Guide. After encountering a distortion ring, the ship is plagued by spatial anomalies that turn it into a labyrinth, which changes shape as the crew moves through it. And yet no David Bowie. You remind me of the babe. It's true. <laughs> Uh, Memory Alpha is a little briefer and says, Voyager encounters an inversion field which twists and distorts the ship's hull. Which I feel like doesn't quite give us enough information. Yeah, I mean, not that there's a huge amount more to it, but there's definitely more than that. (laughs) Well, Memory Alpha, where it just says it distorts the ship's hull, it doesn't really even tell us that the layout of the ship changes. Yeah. So, you know what Voyager really needs? Hmm. Some signage in the hallways, so the crew doesn't have to just memorize the whole layout. Yeah! But they have they have those, like, computer consoles every now and then, don't they? So they can kind of press those and that'll tell them where to go. Yeah, but how about some, like, colored stripes or signs yeah. that, that, are, that are like, you know, turbo lift this way, mess hall that way. Like, this isn't hard. I... I don't know if I don't know if US hospitals are like this, but in the UK we have some hospitals that have, you know, like a yellow uh, market, like a, a yellow um, 
colour on the floor and you follow that to a certain department or Yeah. Unknown. We have that. Yes. Something like something like that, like red for engineering. Follow the red line to engineering or Right. But you know, at the very least, they're just covered in signs. Mm-hmm. So that you know, like radiology yeah, yeah. this way. You would think, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean like even hotels have like signs up at you know, get off the elevator and there's a sign right in front of your face. Like telling you, you know, which rooms are where, mm-hmm. and maps. On our other show, Stargate Weekly, uh, we probably haven't talked about this, but at on at the SGC, they have those colored lines on the floor showing you where to go. Yeah, yeah. they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. So yeah, and this was obviously not not a concept new to sci-fi at the time, but yeah, no, they definitely don't. If they had colored lines or different colors for each deck, then uh, Neelix would have to find some other reason to be jealous about Cass. Ha. <laughs> oh boy, Neelix. So Michael Piller actually is quoted as thinking that this episode is very uh, is uh, very bad for Neelix and makes Neelix look very bad, and I would tend to agree with him. I mean, I think Neelix makes Neelix look bad, but okay. <laughs> oh, poor, poor, poor Neelix. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, it's especially bad for us, uh, because, uh, due to recording with guests and our schedule, we, the last episode we just watched was a Logium, so we've got Jealous Neelix followed by Jealous Neelix. <laughs> You've had Jealous Neelix overload. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's, uh, let, let's... Let's jump right into the episode. Sure. Uh, we open with Kess's surprise birthday party. Mm-hmm. And pool shark guy, I forget his name. I don't remember Fast his Boy name Slim. either. He, he just looks super thrilled to be a part of these proceedings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that Kess has never had, or doesn't get quite get the concept of a surprise, <laughs> like a surprise birthday party. Yes. So, like, what what on earth was she thinking they were, was going on when they all jumped out? <laughs> yeah. You have to imagine the first time anybody gets a surprise birthday party, especially if they have never even known about the concept. It's got to be, well, surprising. Uh, that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think she says exhilarating. I yeah. think that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exhilarating. <laughs> no, I liked it. It was very exhilarating. So, uh, the pool shark guy's name is Gaunt Gary. Whatever, I'll forget it by, like, 15 <laughs> seconds from now. I thought it interesting that Bellana was the one who was like, No! Don't tell us your wishes. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, Bellana was raised on Earth, so... I... I, I, I understand that. I, I just... It seems slightly out of her character, is all. Like, not, like, massively so. It's not like she was... I don't know what... You know, flirting and everything, you know, with a pulse or something, but <laughs> it just felt a little out of her character. Mm. Yeah, you'd expect maybe, I don't know, Jane Way or someone else yeah. to say that line, maybe. Yeah. Or even Paris. Yeah. 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 Yeah, with like a little, with like a little wink accompanying it to be like, I know what you're wishing for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> And then when the uh, phenomenon, phenomenon, phenomenon <laughs> uh, hits. I don't know about you, but that may just make me think of phenomena. Phenomena. <laughs> yeah. 
It didn't, but it will now. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, how how is uh, Neelix like still super surprised that science crews got to go science as soon as science things are put in front of their science faces? But the Jabalian fudge cake. And who makes a cake with six layers of fudge? You gotta like intersperse that with some other cool stuff. Jabalian fudge is not a one and done. Neelix mentions it two other times on the show, by the way. Puss hog was also not a one and done. I was, yeah, yeah. I noticed. I noticed that. <laughs> what the, What the hell is a puss hog? They sound it, disgusting. <laughs> it must be something from uh, some sort of telaxian animal. Yeah. Is it? Is it a hog that like eats pus? Or like, <laughs> always is Oozing like exuding, right? Yeah. I, neither's neither's great, to be honest. I'm thinking exuding pus. Okay, oh. yeah, which probably is not actually that because that usually implies an infection, at least with what we're used to. So maybe it's just goo that looks like. Yes, because that's so much better. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, but going back to the uh, the uh, seven layered Jabalian fudge cake, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how delicious does that look? <laughs> eh, see, I'm not a big fan of uh, fondant, and it looks like it has a really thick layer of fondant on top. It does, yeah, yeah. Well, you can um, you can make cakes like that without. Res- you would just ice it as normal, and then it's a glaze on top yeah. to give it like the swirls and everything. Like they're we can just go on YouTube. They're they're so hot right now. Um, I had not expected that to be a thing twenty three years ago. So I don't know. Maybe they were the trendsetter. People like, ooh, I want a cake that looks like space. Well, no, I was thinking based on the very rounded shape, it just looked like there was a that Neelix uh, had put fondant all over it to make that shape. Possibly, it could also just be like a big block of foam and not a real cake at all. That is probably accurate that said i bet the jabalian fudge underneath is pretty tasty jabalian foam mm. <laughs> well if if not um jabalian fudge cake then then w- what would be your uh star trek food of choice or drink or drink has nothing to do with this episode but you know sure yeah yeah uh <laughs> not sure really mm-hmm. rock to gino yeah rock yeah. to gino's pretty taste is probably pretty tasty Based on how addicted the DS9 crew gets to it. Right. That's true. As, as for food, I don't know. I, I don't pay that close of attention to the food. I've always wanted to try Idanian spice pudding. Okay. Well, there those, you go. Uh, those, uh, uh, is it Jumja lollies on DS9? Oh, yeah, they the Jumja sticks. Look, they could be they good, look too. Quite cool. <laughs> Not a big fan of Gok, though. I think I would pass on that. You're no true warrior. It's true. Or Ferengi tube grubs. <laughs> Not for me. Hmm. So we cut back to the bridge. Mm-hmm. Where they have encountered some type of spatial distortion wave. Yes. We do get a some kind of this episode, but it's later. I don't think I caught the some kind of. I caught two more some sort ofs. This wave is obviously causing some kind of radical reconfiguration of the ship. Ah, I missed it completely. And Kim is extremely impatient to go to the holodeck. Yeah, I like I like that bit where uh, where uh, Harry's desperately trying to get out of his duty shift early. Yes, He's like is there anything else you want me to do? 
And you see, like, Tuvok has... Uh, you'd expect him to say, no, you need to wait to the, the end. Yeah. That's the rule. But he, he kind of let, let, finds up a really silly reason for him to, you know, go and inspect the holodeck for some reason. You know, just so you can go to the, the festivities. So Tuvok's got a softer side. He lets Harry go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see Tuvok's softer side uh, at the very, very end. Yes. As well. Yeah, yeah. When he puts his hand on the chair where Janeway is, and then yeah, right, thought, that was quite touching. Yeah, I thought. Except everyone in that, I know we're jumping way ahead to the end, but everyone almost like pairs off with the person that they most, you know, associate with, or you know, in their in their last moments, what mm-hmm. they think is their last moments, what they want to be with someone who's important to them. So it's nice, you know, Tuvok stays with Janeway, and yeah, yeah. Well, that was a nice um that was a nice sequence there at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in general I enjoy the episode. It, it, you know, it's a fun little like bottle episode. It's Robert Picardo's least favorite episode of the entire show. Really? Really? Yeah. Mm. Also, it it apparently went through a lot of rewrites and reshoots. It was notorious as before it aired, it was notoriously mentioned at multiple conventions as the worst Voyager episode. No, because that's clearly ex post facto so far. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I but apparently for the for the the cast, they had not a very good experience with this one. Interesting. But I think the final product is decent. Uh, I do think it feels more like a season one than a season two episode. Uh, but I think it is a fairly decent episode. It's a it's a bottle episode. It's got your standard sci fi thing happening. Yeah, I liked the um, the bit from the Doctor towards the beginning where, like, if they hadn't known about the spatial distortion wave, like, his explanation of, well, there could be some sort of radiation that's making all of you loopy. Yeah, except for the fact that if there were, why is it also affecting him when he tries to go to the holodeck? Oh, well, he, I Or go to the sick bay. I guess he had tried that already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the you know the EM could be messing with the computer system and their brains, but not necessarily, like him. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's theoretically possible. So what what uh, what stood out to you in this episode, Rob? Um, I quite liked. There was a, a few comedy moments that I quite liked. I think we talked about some of them already. Um, you know, with with the <laughs> the Doctor desperately trying to escape the clutches of uh, of. Um, is it the proprietress of of Shay, uh, Shay Sand, Sandrine? So I don't know if that if that it is her name, Sandrine. If that's that's the person that owns it, but she's like all over him. Um, and even when he tries to he, he tries to get back to sick bay, but then gets like redirected back to the holodeck, and she's like, "Oh, you've come back! <laughs> I know why you've come back, <laughs> even though your your you know you know shift has ended. <laughs> your shift as like, a your bartending shift." Because, you know, just making sure to... Yeah. And yes, that is Sandrine. Yeah. But he's a doctor, not a bartender. These hands were made for (laughs) surgery, not playing pool. Yeah, if you're not going to play pool, if you're you're not going to make love to me, then then mop. (laughs) You notice he never actually said that his hands were not made for making love. Well, there you go. (laughs) I don't... I don't want to think about that. (laughs) And I like how when everyone kind of disperses to try and deal with the crisis, the yes. doctor's like p- 
please can Cass stay here so she can uh, help me stave off the advances of this predatory woman. <laughs> and when Neelix volunteers himself to go to Chakotay, go with Chakotay because he's a famed tracker, uh, <laughs> Janeway asks Chakotay if that's okay with him. <laughs> Chakotay's expression yeah. is pretty good. <laughs> is he doesn't actually roll his eyes, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, oh. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, lo- it looks like he's, like, mustering, like, all of his self-control to, like, contain the impulsive eye roll. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, in light of the idea that the cast really didn't care for, like, filming or, you know, creating this episode, they all do a really good job of hiding that disdain. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'd all have a look on their face like Chakotay from that moment the entire time. Yes. I was not a huge fan of the Chicote Tuvok tension, mostly because it felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, up until this episode, we had not seen anything like that. Yeah, it would have been good if we had gotten, like, a couple of little breadcrumbs from time to time in other episodes. Like, even who just, like, a simple thing of the two of them offering uh, differing courses of actions to the captain. Yeah. And having, like, very, very, very brief argument on the bridge over it. Like, even if it's just, like, a one sentence each. Yeah, and I was definitely, like, I thought it was... Uh, and Chicote actually had the right reaction. It was very out of line for Tuvok to basically say, basically be like, But Janeway always listens to what I say. <laughs> yeah, that made me think of, um, from TNG... When Data is in command, mm-hmm. and and Worf like squares off with him on the bridge. Yes, and you know Data has to like pull him aside in the red room to be like, "You're allowed to have other opinions than mine, but not on the bridge." Yeah, because that was—I mean—that was basically what it felt like. It felt like Tuvok was whining, uh, and it seemed very out of character for Tuvok. The spatial distortion wave is messing with his with his brain. Hmm. It's possible. So I liked that moment uh, in the Jeffrey tube, Jeffrey's tubes. Mm-hmm. It's weird to be double plural. Well, it w- it was only one Jeffrey's tube that they were in at the time. Okay, where Janeway is telling Kim that it, you know, she thinks he's you know great at his job and as yeah. far as like, her expectations. I'm just waiting for like the final line of I'm not going to promote you, <laughs> of course, <laughs> but you know, keep up the good work, Ensign. Was anyone else expecting? that door to open out into a vacuum a little yeah like i i had completely forgotten that there was the janeway arm bending scene and i i thought that it was just going to open out into space yeah i i had not remembered much about this episode at all like the overall ideas i had remembered i remembered oh this is the one where the ship gets well twisted uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) it does what it says on the tin (laughs) yeah i um going back to some of the comedy moments i quite Mm -hmm. liked it when Mm -hmm. um when, the beginning of the episode where uh, where Tom gives Kess the um the locket and mm-hmm. you can see like Neelix is like seething with jealousy and then he goes over to Chakotay and very nice <laughs> wrapping job yeah he says did you see that he 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 did quite a nice wrapping job didn't you think <laughs> yeah that was quite funny <laughs> Was it wrapped? A... I thought it just had a bow on it. Yeah, I think it's just a, it was a box yeah. with a bow. <laughs> it was, yeah. And how is that two weeks of replicator rations? How? Yeah, I mean, because I feel like that's less matter than a meal. 
I guess maybe is it like a precious metal or something? Does that cost more, maybe? You know, that might be, because we, we'll later see in uh, Year of Hell when oh, yeah. Chicote replicates a pocket watch, or was it a compass? I can't remember now. I think uh, it was a pocket watch. Yeah, a pocket watch for Janeway, and it took him weeks to do it. So, yeah, it may be that like certain materials require more from the replicator than others. So to, so poor Tom has to go two weeks um, eating Elix's various um, incarnations of Leola root whatever <laughs> because he uses his replicator rations for Kess. That's, um, yeah. yeah. That's dedication. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. He clearly really likes her. <laughs> I'm not sure I would do that. <laughs> sorry, Ke- sorry, Kess, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I won't do that. Not Neelix food, no. Okay, so what's the... Who's the lieutenant who was in sickbay a couple of times? Because he kept, like, tearing his rotator cup or whatever from uh, working out too that hard. That was Baxter. Right. Does he have a duty station? Does he just live at the gym? Just wanders the corridors. <laughs> he said he kept saying he was trying to find the cargo bay. Apparently that's his duty station. Not sure why he has a security team in the cargo bay. Probably because... Tuvok is tired of dealing with his constant talk of, so I was lifting the other day, bro, and just Mm. lifting so hard. Yeah. (laughs) At first he thought he was just working out too hard. That's why it was cold. Right. (laughs) That made no sense whatsoever. So is is he the guy, is he the guy that is, or am I getting confused, is he the guy that's that's really rude to the doctor? Yes, same guy. Yeah, yeah. Also, with a working out injury uh, the first time, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the doctor had, you know, counseled him to say that yeah, you need to stop working out so hard. If you know, if you keep you know, if you keep this up, you keep injuring yourself like this, I'm gonna report you to your superior officer. So I wonder if the episode's gotten reshuffled and we were supposed to see this one before that incident to give us like a little like to actually give us a little bit of background on the character, which is no, I think this was to be a callback to that, since oh, okay. everything okay. I read said this was supposed to be the second to last episode of season one. Right. So, do we ever see Baxter again? Nope. It's really? Weird. It's weird how Voyager does that. There are certain crew members that they show a few times, and then you never see them again. Like, you see um, Samantha Waldman a few times, and then she's gone. She abandons Naomi. Yeah, more and, or like, less. Like, they talk you... about her, but yeah, you never see yeah. <laughs> And Lieutenant, Lieutenant Carey, he, he's he's he, there in the beginning. He comes back to die in he, the seventh season. Yeah, and then he's he's gone for ages, and then he comes back to die. <laughs> yes. That's really cruel. Ayala got two call-outs this episode. He did. Yeah. We don't see him, but he got two call-outs. And how does Kess know what floor his quarters are on? I know. something Something's amiss there. <laughs> it is a little weird that she's memorized where that many people's quarters are like that that feels weird it's a small ship yeah i suppose that's true getting smaller by the minute yeah so is neelix's quarters nowhere near kess's you'd think they'd ask for quarters near each other you would think so wouldn't you being the only two that are not from the ship yeah i mean other than other than the marquee obviously yeah, and you have to imagine that, I mean, the Maquis, they actually probably would have actively chosen to not keep them together mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, crew integration and also to prevent crew reintegration. Um, but they'd only been on the ship for 
a week or so at that point, like the rest of the crew. So although it'd be annoying to be like, I, you know, we have these new guests, Ayala, we need you to move one door down or one floor away or something like that. Yeah. Like mildly annoying, but it's not like they've been on like in that room for a year at this point or anything. So it wouldn't have been a terrible inconvenience. Also, aren't, they're a, they're a couple at this point, right? Neelix and Kess. So why aren't they living? Or they just don't want to live together yet. <laughs> it's too early in the relationship. Yeah, I don't it's know. almost certainly way too early for Neelix. Yeah, there's that. Because like, Tom and Bellana move in with each other, to, like later on in their relationship. Yeah, they do. Yeah, may- maybe. Yeah, I, I won't even go there. I was going to say <laughs> maybe he feels a bit uncomfortable moving in with a two year old, <laughs> but that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> I don't think he does, and that may be part of the problem. Uh, but I think Neelix is Neelix is interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm sensing you're not big Neelix fans. <laughs> Would I be right? <laughs> In this rewatch, it's just how creepy Neelix is. The, the whole Neelix cast dynamic is so creepy and so just the way Neelix treats her, the way he's. Honestly, a lot of times he, he's gaslighting her. He's negging her. He's It's a terrible relationship. I don't think he's ever actually negged her. Okay, not like... But he definitely has gaslighted her, and he's psychologically abusive and constantly like, downplaying her concerns, and... Yeah. Uh, um, I can't think of more words right now. It's too early. I, I get that, I, personally, I, um, <clears throat> I really like Neelix, but I get... I, I feel like he's better when he's without Kess. I would strongly agree with that. He gets better as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, he would have to. Yeah, and this, like the same way with uh, with Tom Paris in season one. Yeah. You know, the only way to go is up. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. And I think in season two, Tom Paris has gone up because now Neelix is my least favorite character. Right. <laughs> but no. But he's. He's less terrible when he's not around Kess. Like, when he's interacting with the other members of the crew... Yeah. You know, he's still, like, an odd guy, but he can be odd. That's fine. But he's not, like, abusive with anyone else. So, according to the notes that I saw, especially where I was talking about how Michael Piller thought this episode was very bad for Neelix, uh, he... He said that he tried to do some damage control with Neelix and make him a more and and do some good Neelix scenes in the next episode, Parturition, which I sadly do not remember at all. So we'll find out about that next week. Yeah, that could be interesting. I you know I wouldn't mind seeing a you know solid a solid Neelix positive episode. Mm. We're all about the Neelix positivity here on Delta Flyer. That's right. So you were saying you guys were saying about the um, you like the bit where Janeway kind of uh, when she tells Harry how like how proud she is of him, how he's exceeded her expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why why do you think that she does that? It did seem a little odd to say that right then. Like that, I get he's done a good job and she's really yeah, she is pleased with him. But there must be other crew members that or perhaps, I guess maybe we don't see that. But like, would you? What I guess it tells tells you a lot about her, what kind of captain she is, and you know she's quite kind, nurturing, considerate, and I, I can't really imagine Kirk Picard. Oh, Fisco. Picard would certainly never say something like that. Well, I guess um, in oh, what's the episode with? Is it Lower Decks? Wait, with Cito Jaxa, where he he kind of dresses her down 
and then at the end kind of tells her you know oh, I wanted to give you a chance and you know yeah he, he it's not the same but he kind oh no, no no I'm saying Picard Picard as a person yeah I mean is not like uh, you know, entirely gruff, mean person. But I'm saying Picard would... You would never have seen an interaction where Picard would say that to someone. Yeah, yeah. I have to imagine that with Janeway, she interacts with Harry Kim and the rest of the bridge crew more possibly than the rest of the crew. Uh, but And then having this one-on-one -on -one time of just crawling through the tubes, I, I, I have to imagine that there's like some sort of regular review process that they go through. I mean, you know, I have to have a phone call with my boss every six months to a year just to be like, well, here's how your performance is. So I, Federation's most likely the same. I, I like the idea that Chakotay or Janeway sits down with the crew and gives them targets for the year. And, you know, you've been late twice, you know, in the last few months. You need to, you know, pick up, <laughs> pick that up. I would like to see, like, hear, like, one crewman retort back, Based on the number of times that we've been trapped in spatial anomalies, you and I both know that time is relative, Lieutenant. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, so you know, so your so your metrics your metrics for the next you know for the next quarter are I need you to improve your deflector dish realignment times. <laughs> need to see a solid uptick in the number of flawless transporter uh, oh, actions. Man. And Harry, that means uh. Well, Harry's Harry's screwed then because we've got two picks later this season. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Ensign. Yeah, you missed your performance targets. You're gonna stay in Ensign. <laughs> back, back to Cadet. <laughs> so what what stood out for you, Thad? Uh, we've talked about most of what stood out for me. Uh, like the. Like I was saying, the Tuvok Chikote stuff sort of stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, the Neelix stuff. Uh, I did feel, um, I actually, uh, watched this one with our friend Steve, who will, who was on when we watched Elogium. Uh, and he commented that when Neelix shows up at the end and says, oh, it was a long story, that was kind of lazy writing. And I would have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that little bit where Paris is like, no, 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 not on the console. Yes. <laughs> well, because you can see the console's not flat. That would not have ended well. <laughs> yeah, it had like a little like bump on the top that was, I mean, you know, the bump was flat, but it wasn't. Not perfectly. But there wasn't like a fully wide flat surface that would support the entire cake. Yes, that was a good, that was a good moment with Paris there. But I did feel like. Neelix just showing up with the cake and saying, oh, it's a long story. I'll tell you about it. It's like, what could... <laughs> I'll tell you when the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I I do enjoy this episode in general. I think it's part of... I think what we're seeing in season two, even if this was originally for season one, is that the baseline for quality is higher. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, as backed up by the idea that the cast and crew all thought that this one was a really hard and, you know, a hard shoot for them, there is definitely lots of potential for this to not have been as enjoyable as it was. Now, of course, later in the season, we will come to Threshold, which is notoriously uh, considered one of the worst episodes of Star Trek, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping that that sort of uh, collective impression is not going to overcolor my viewing of it. Honestly, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I feel like it is at least a little unfairly maligned. Well, we're, we will find out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think the last note that I had was just that I have been waiting the entire episode for the someone wanders around a corner and then, huh, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, like, it, I like that bit where, where um, Turok and Chakotay argue about which direction to go. And then right. they, end up, they end up going different directions and then meeting, like, literally five seconds later. So. Chakotay's sarcastic response to that was pretty good. I can't remember what he said. What did he say? Tell me something, Tuvok. What does your logic tell you about navigating a maze that's constantly changing shape? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good throwdown. I was kind of hoping he was going to say because, based on where they were before they started walking, Tuvok would have had to turn left at some point if the maze wasn't reconfiguring itself. And so I was kind of hoping Chakotay to be like, "So tell me, Tuvok, how many ter- times did you turn right?" Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and the anomaly. What what do we? They, they say at the end, right, that it's some something or someone trying to communicate with them. Yeah, de- some sort de- of message. Because it it downloads loads of, or it uploads data to them, and then downloads a copy of the, you know, their so computer. We mentioned uh, Kirsten Beyer and her Voyager books. Uh, there actually is one where they come back and seek out this anomaly again. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't read it. I just am aware of it. Okay. That seems like a silly idea. Yeah, well... well I, th- I, th- I made a note. that I, th- I thought it would be quite... I know this isn't, like, the world's greatest Voyager episode, but it would have been quite nice maybe to have some sort of reference to it later on where, you know, they maybe meet the species, or if it is a species, that, that maybe makes this anomaly in order to try and find out more about alien species or whether they were good people or you know an enemy or that might have been an interesting follow-on at some point or they reference the however many dozens of gigaquads of additional data that got dumped into their computer yeah they definitely should reference that yeah like thinking about our other podcast stargate weekly where they're always talking about well we got this from the ancient database yeah that's a good point yeah they could have been like so so the you know, the files we got from the cloud indicate that this species is, you know, cool. Yeah. They love potatoes. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. I don't have very many other notes on this episode. Uh, We do at one point here the number 47 when they were counting something. That doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> apparently the original working title for this episode was called Out which I don't understand at all, but okay. Yeah, yeah that's a bit of an odd one. Out. Yeah. I mean, Twisted's perhaps a little too on the nose, but it's better than out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I saw I, I saw on Memory Alpha that they, um, it said something about this was a budget-saving episode. Because yes. apparently the, the mm-hmm. series was running out of, you know, financial resources. So I thought that was quite interesting. Which makes sense from a season one idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, from season two, it seems less likely that by episode six, they'd already be trying to, like, pinch pennies. Yeah. But 
Well, especially since this was to be the next to the last episode, they were pinching pennies to save a little money because the 37s was to be the finale, and I know that the ship landing sequence couldn't have been cheap. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like just the scouting costs alone of trying to find like another planet that looks Earth-ish. Yep. But, you know, bottle episodes are, you know, super common across all TV shows. Mm-hmm. And you think about um, like Breaking Bad, the episode where they're just, like, stuck in the lab the entire time because they're trying to kill the fly. Nothing? Got, got I don't know either of you on that one? I've seen Breaking <laughs> Bad, but I don't remember that episode. I've only seen, like, the first two seasons, and I don't remember. Oh, yeah, the, this is definitely from, like, season three or season four. Because oh, okay. I, I think it was five seasons? I don't remember. Yeah, I just know that, like, by the end of the penultimate season, I was done. Like, I just couldn't keep watching this show. Like, it's... Breaking Bad has superb writing, and everybody, like, all the actors are just, like, giving it their all, like, every single moment, but they're all of them terrible people, and I just couldn't keep watching that. It's the same reason why I've never watched um, House of Cards. Mm. Like, I'm not, I'm not super crazy about watching shows that are only about terrible people who do, like, terrible things. Yeah, House of Cards does kind of have a bit of that, but it's so well written. It is really well written. And there are some good people in it. There yeah, there are. are. I mean, admittedly, they, you know, they're roundly trounced quite often and made to suffer miserably, but... Or turned are... into right. bad people. Or to, yeah, or turned into bad people. But there are some good people in there. Yeah, there are. <laughs> Tucked away. <laughs> so, I had, I had a, a question, a bit of a random question. Sure. So, if, if you guys were trapped in a holodeck and you had this anomaly coming towards you, who would, you know, because we see Balana goes and sits with Chakotay and they have a little uh, spirit guide moment. Uh, Tom, you know, uh, Tom and Harry stand, try and, you know, comfort each other. Kess has the doctor. Tuvok goes with Jamie. Who would it, who would you go to in, if you thought this would be, that's it, you're about to, you know, it's about to finish you off. Who would you go and seek some comfort with? I can I can tell uh, you're using your uh, Trek book club skills here to come up with the interesting questions. Uh, <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. Chicote. I was actually thinking maybe Tom Paris. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd he'd reassure he reassures um, Harry. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, mean, I uh, like I'm not particularly religious or spiritual, um, but I was raised Catholic, and a lot of people. And I'm, you know, I, I, I could just see myself sort of like wanting to fall back on that kind of upbringing, the idea of wanting to like let me at least like try to like, like, like mentally and spiritually like center myself before the end. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not all of a sudden be like, aha, there is a god or anything like that, but just be like, let me just try to center myself before what I think might be the end. Yeah. And Chicote is, he was desperately underutilized in the first season, and we are seeing him get a little bit more action in the second season, and he's rising in the ranks um, in terms of the characters that have, like, hidden or lesser or lesser used parts of their um, personality and background that are valuable and I like Chicote when he isn't being a coffee table. And and do you prefer the slightly grey Chicote or the later seasons, you know, jet black hair Chicote? 
Or do you not care? <laughs> I prefer slightly grey Chakotay. I, I, jet black hair Chakotay is kind of disconcerting, especially since he started out as slightly grey. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a firm proponent of embracing the salt and pepper. Yeah. And I, I have to say that uh, Robert Beltran now has silver hair, and it looks really good. <laughs> Did you guys notice that Bellana kept switching back and forth between Chakotay and Chakotay? Chakotay, yeah. 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 I, that really, I, I don't know why, I really pick up on that every time. Jane, it's mainly Janeway and, and Bellana that Chakotay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you never, you never, I don't know what season it ends. Maybe it is two or three. You never really hear them say it again. It's Chakotay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's like every so often they're like, ooh, wait, I should try to like pronounce his name correctly this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a interesting sort of thing. I don't... Yeah, I, I suppose Chakote is probably more correct? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, e- even, even Beltran kind of oscillates on how he pronounces it. Yes, he does. Well, I don't have any more thoughts, and it sounds like Thad doesn't either. Rob, do you have any more questions for us? What, did, did, you, did you like the fact that they, it was in the holodeck? I mean, they could have been trapped somewhere else, or in another program. What Did you, did you like, um, you know, the Shea Sandrines? I'm ready for Shea Sandrines to go away. Yeah. They could have been trapped in, you know, Neelix and Tom's, like, holiday resort program, or that might all... Well, I don't think we've seen that yet. No, it probably hasn't come up yet. Yeah, no, no. So far, we've only gotten Shea Sandrine and the Victorian Hollow novels. Yeah, thank God they didn't get stuck there. Oh God, for real. <laughs> yeah, just having like the you know the little boy bossing them around in his whiny little eight-year-old oh. boy voice. <laughs> Why are you all dressed so funny? Change into proper clothes. I have a, the brattish children you've ever seen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that I I think we're done with the Gothic Hollow novel. I hope we're done with the Gothic Hollow novel. Cuz I think Janeway moves on to Da Vinci pretty soon. Yeah, I think so. That's I think yeah, season 3ish. I know it's definitely by season 3 cuz she consults with Da Vinci in Scorpion. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I've covered more or less everything. <laughs> yep, me too. <laughs> Well then, let's uh, you know, let's wrap it up by only putting a little bow on it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. As previously mentioned, we'll be watching or you know, watching and discussing Parturition next week. Yes. Uh, thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed the show, uh, you may want to check us out on our other show, Stargate Weekly. You can find and review them both on your podcast player of choice, and you can reach us at our email address, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. And yet you can find me on Twitter, I'm at TrekkieRob, and you can find me uh, at Trek Book Club as well, and if, you, yeah, if you're interested in Star Trek books, um, then come and join us, and we, we pick a book every month, we read it, and then we come together and discuss it, so... Come and join in. It's a lot of fun. And you can follow the show on Twitter at DelzaFlyerPod. And that's our show. Phenomena. Phenomena.